about 25 years after John supposedly wrote his gospel, now Carson P. Didi, now this is not widely accepted, but I think, I think Carson P. Didi is not a New Testament scholar. He's a papyrologist. He makes his living examining ancient fragments. Okay, um, so um, in the Dead Sea Cave 7, there are some ancient fragments of Greek writings. Okay, uh, there was a Spanish scholar named, don't ask me how, but a Spanish scholar named o O'Callaghan <laughs> that uh, that had uh, identified one of these fragments as a portion of Mark's Gospel, uh, chapter six. Okay, problem is the Romans tore the place up, kicked everybody out, and killed them basically, 68 A.D., shortly before destroying the temple. Uh, most liberal scholars don't even want Mark's Gospel written by 68 A.D. Okay, so how can you have a copy dated between 50 and 68 A.D.? There's also a fragment, First Timothy chapter three, but Carson P. Thady has shown that through computer analysis we can confirm the work of O'Callaghan, his theory, and what he's shown is that through computers, there it's like a size of a postage stamp written on both sides, and the combination of letters on both sides, you will find that that, that combination nowhere else in a in a in a passage. Uh, uh, of all of uh, known ancient Greek literature other than Mark's Gospel chapter 6 and uh, um, but whatever the case so Plato's writing the 1200 year gap only 7 copies with the New Testament 26,000 copies and a 25 year gap if that we might have some copies that were older than some of the writings of later New Testament books um so the manuscript evidence is overwhelming for the New Testament. Um, we find the agreement between the manuscripts, 99.5%. By the way, second place out of all ancient literature, Homer's Iliad. Not 26,000 copies, only 643. Not 99.5% agreement between the manuscripts, but only 95% agreement. By the way, when the New Testament disagrees, when, the, when, the, when the, you examine the copies and all, Sometimes just the different spelling of a name. As time went on, the, the way you spelled the name of the town changed, so sometimes the copy has just changed the way it was spelled. Sometimes the copy has made a spelling error, or left out a word, or added a word, but there's no change whatsoever to the, to the doctrines that are being taught. Um, and, and the other point for manuscript evidence of the uh, New Testament is its widespread distribution. It was spread all over you know, the ancient world, and then when you compare them in different languages from all over the ancient world, you compare them and you come up with this 99.5% agreement, uh, those are basically the four tests to test ancient literature. Number of copies, agreement, how widespread are they, and the gap between the oldest ones and when the originals were written. Those are the four manuscript tests. The New Testament wins all four, four and all. So why is, it, why is the Jesus Seminar even meeting? Because we've got this double standard. And to keep in mind, if Plato really wrote Plato's writings, you don't have to bend the knee. Okay? If Plato really wrote what he wrote, you don't have to change your life and bow before him. But if Jesus really 
did the things that, and, and said the things that are talked about in the New Testament, man, it's, it's, that's going to change your whole way of living. You've got to bow before Him. You've got to worship Him as your God. You've got to say, not my will be done, but your will be done in my life. And that's why the double standard is there. When everything is said and done, you remove the, the uh, intellectual smokescreen, and all you got left is what this world is filled with, is people rebelling against their God. Um, okay, the apostolic fathers. When you look at Ignatius and Polycarp and Papias, who were pupils of the apostle John, and whoever wrote the epistle of Barnabas, we don't even know who wrote it, but whatever the case, these guys were leaders in the early church who were appointed, were pupils of the apostles, were appointed by the apostles. Now, now, if you were my pupils, and I'm getting old, and I want to appoint some of my pupils to be leaders, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pick my D students. I'm going to pick the A plus students who not only got the answers right but agreed with me on it. Okay, that's that's who the apostolic fathers were. Now, let me ask you this question: When the apostolic fathers confirmed that Jesus was God, Okay, Ignatius over and over again calls him our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, Polycarp calls him God. Um, Clement of Rome in 95 AD refers to him as the Lord in such a way that the context demands that he's referring to him as God. When, when the pupils of the apostles who were picked by the apostles to lead the early church say he was God, he's Savior, um, he's the Jewish Messiah, he performed miracles, and then 2,000 years later, the Jesus Seminar says, no, that's not true. Who do you think holds more authority? The Apostolic Fathers or the Jesus Seminar? Uh, ancient secular authors, they're, they're, they're secular, they're non-Christians, so they didn't believe that Jesus did these things, but they report to us what the first-generation church believed. Okay? The Jesus Seminar claims that Jesus really wasn't deified until decades later. He wasn't made out to be a god until decades later. In actuality, the ancient secular authors tell us that right from the beginning, Pliny the Younger writing in 112 AD, was saying that Christians sing hymns to Jesus as, as to a god. Because, you know, the Romans worship many gods, and they're saying, well, the way we worship our gods, that's what they do with Jesus. Lucian in the 2nd century um, was saying they worship a man to this day about Christians. So, uh, I mean, right from the start, uh, you can even find graffiti Roman, in a Roman uh, slave quarters. There's even graffiti of a man crucified with a donkey's head. Okay? So it's a form of mockery. And then another stick man bowing before the, the man on the cross with the donkey's head. And then it says, uh, the inscription on the graffiti, it's carved into a wall. It says, Anaximenes worships, worships his God. And... Uh, and archaeologists dated back to 52 A.D. And they say, well, it just meant that one of the Romans, one of the Roman slaves, Aximenes, was a, uh, a Christian. No big deal. And the other Roman slaves weren't Christians, so they mocked him. Yeah, but what else does it tell us? It tells us that 52 A.D., Christians were known as what? People who worshipped their people who worshipped Jesus who was crucified. It wasn't something that came years and years later. Um, the archaeology has confirmed the Bible. Ancient creeds of the Bible. Do you know that there are, even liberal scholars admit that there are ancient creeds or hymns that were sung or recited in the early church 
and they were kind of a form of oral tradition that Paul quotes one in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 to 8, that dates all the way back to the early 30s AD. Okay? Yet it lists the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. Even one one time where Jesus appeared to over 500 at one time. And nobody wants to call Paul a liar. Um, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 11, where Jesus is, is it says that Jesus has had was uh, basically continues to exist in nature as God. That's another one of these ancient creeds. Okay, so uh, so we have ancient creeds in the New Testament which predate. They were either sung or recited in the churches, but they predate the New Testament by decades. And what do they teach? They teach the same thing that our Bible teaches today. That Jesus performed miracles, that he is God, that he is Savior, okay? Uh, that he's the Jewish Messiah. Um, uh, we don't have time, time to get into it, but um, the evidence for Christ's deity, it is overwhelmingly clear, especially from the ancient creeds and the apostolic fathers, it's overwhelmingly clear that Jesus claimed to be God. As C.S. Lewis said, if he claimed to be God, then we cannot call him merely a good man or a prophet. Okay? We, we, we make this big mistake. We keep taking Jesus and putting him in the category with Buddha, Confucius, Gandhi, all these other religious leaders. He doesn't belong there. They didn't claim to be God. Okay? Jesus alone claimed to be uniquely God. He needs to be put in a category with the Charles Mansons and others like that who claim to be God. Now, what's the difference between him and them? They, their lives show that they were insane. They got a small little following, but their lives show they were insane. With Jesus, he claimed to be God and managed to, 2,000 years later, to convince one-third of the people on earth that he is God. Okay? The only reason why we get so confused, we put him with Buddha in there. No, no, put him with the people who claim to be God. And it becomes real clear that of all the people who claim to be God, one of them is pretty convincing. And his name is Jesus. And it's, it's blasphemous that a seminar named after him um, would just try to uh, throw him away. But either if Jesus claimed to be God, so either he was a liar, or he was insane, or he was telling the truth and he was God. And believe me, nobody wants to call Jesus either a liar or insane. Very rarely will you come up with somebody who will use that kind of argument. <clears throat> and it's even uh, more rare uh, among scholars. <clears throat> the evidence for the resurrection, again, you go back to the ancient creeds, the apostolic fathers, and what you find was that either the apostles were telling the truth that Jesus rose from the dead, or they were lying, or they were deceived. And no one's ever been able, nobody wants to call them liars. They were sincere enough to die for their beliefs. Um, and no one's ever come up with a naturalistic explanation as to how they could be deceived. And let's say, if you're going to die for something, you want to be sure. You know, did I really see him alive? Did he really eat fish with us? Did I really touch his hands, the holes in his hands and his feet? Is he really, really alive? And I want to know before they throw me to the lions, okay? But they were confident enough to know that when the lions would tear them apart, it just ushered them into the presence of our great God and Savior, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Sorry for running uh, overtime, but uh, uh, God bless you for your patience. And, uh